Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How has your week been? Oh, it's been um, it's been busy. You know, my grandmother was staying with us and now she is not with us. So she is as of yesterday um, back in Deritter. So she's back in our hometown. It has been a whirlwind over the past couple of days because we've been like getting our stuff together, moving her out. Um, she is refusing to stay with anybody. So she's going back to her home, even though she fell the same day that she was moving out. Nicole, you scared me because of the way that you said that. I'm so glad that you followed it up with she moved back to her home in Deritter. I'm like, you made me anxious for a second. No, she didn't die. I mean, yeah, but you were like, and she was staying with in our home and now she's no longer with us. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? But thank you for clarifying. Jesus. I literally had like heart palpitations. You're making me like anxious. (sighs) Jesus, Nicole. Nicole, have you watched Power yet? Have you caught up? You talking about, um. Isn't it Ghost now? Book of Ghosts. Book of Ghosts. So yes, I um, started it. I'm not very, my time is limited. So I can't finish the thing. And you know, I'm not the biggest Tariq fan. I'm not. That's how I started off with the season. And I finished it a couple of weeks ago, but this week I rewatched it with my husband because he was like you would watch a couple episodes here and a couple episodes there. And then all of a sudden somebody was watching it on their phone because they were so intrigued because he was like, and eh, Tariq kind of like how you are. And then next thing I know, he's in the bed with the phone up about to hit him in the face because he can't stop watching it. I'm just saying, give now, it a chance, I Nicole. Say, I, you know, no, I like it. Like the first episode, I was like, ugh. But as I watched it, I did like it. I just haven't finished it yet. Okay. You know, because I had to stop it and then do Bridgerton. Because, you know, we talked about Bridgerton <laughs> last week. And I'm still daydreaming. I find myself walking around the house daydreaming about this man. Y'all, that's sitting. We can't do that. <laughs> daydreaming about the Duke all day. I'm just saying. But yes, I do need to go back and watch, um, finish watching uh, Power Book 2 ghosts. And the thing that most impressed me about the show is Mary J. Blige and her character. She's a boss. She's a boss. It's not to be played with. Yeah, she's so. not. Let me tell you, Mrs. Tahara is not the one to mess with. You hear me? 
But I did also watch the movie Vanished on uh, Netflix. My sister was like, you got to watch Vanished. I mean, it is a trip. It is a trip. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. Okay. It's a little twists. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So let me go back to Bridgerton for a second, Nicole. So you know this week, Let's- Lady Whistledown released a letter in her society paper on Instagram, you know, because we live in her society now, stating that Bridgerton will return to production in spring of 2021. Thank so, you, Jesus. <laughs> so there will be more of the Duke for you to sit and look at, Nicole. Okay, when people say spring, I usually assume like March, April. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that because that means I only have like one month of downtime without Bridgerton. And then it's going to be right back at it. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm thinking that now that we have like the Duke story, he won't be as big in the second uh, season, though, probably. I hope so, but I don't think he will be. Well, I don't think so, because, you know, we have to it's kind of like you have to watch his child grow up now. Well, I guess that's a spoiler alert. So let's go back. Spoiler alert. There there are many ways (laughs) for us to continue to watch the Duke story. So. I'm just going to say that. Um, But it says production in spring of 2021. So I don't know when it will actually be released. Hopefully they they produce and turn it around really quickly. So let's just hope they get it out by summer 2021. What do you think? Thing. If they said, I thought you said that they were coming back out production. in 2021 of spring. Oh, just production. That thing's not going to come out until 2022. Oh, Nicole. Just Maybe they'll give us this. some teasers or something, something to hold us over for the, you know, with the Duke. Maybe. I hope so. You know, when those teasers come out, I just watch them over and over again because I'm like waiting for it to happen. Just saying. I just, uh, either way. But in the meantime, I will catch up on, on Power. I will. I'll catch up on Power. Okay. And then we you can- know, I've never watched the very last episode of Power, right? Like when they actually found out the last two episodes, when they actually found out who killed Ghost. I've never watched the last two episodes. I had to stop watching it. Okay, well, go back and watch that first. Well, no, now I know who it is. I mean, we got a whole... Uh-uh, you, yes, but you have to go back and watch that. It's important to watch it. There are details that you're going to no. miss, Nicole. No, I've watched it. Once I narrowed it down and figured out it was Tariq, I was like, uh-uh. you know what, I'm, I'm done. But you have to watch it because there's details that you're going to miss. I'm trying to tell you, just, just watch the last episode. You don't have to watch the second to last one, but just watch the last. And you can fast forward through it until you get to something and you're like, oh, okay, it's just something that you have to see so that you know later on down the line. I'll go back and watch it. Oh my God. So Janine, what's on your timeline this week? I feel like we talk about this all the time, Nicole. I really do. But I think that it's important. So as you all know, Nicole and I are no strangers to the topic of COVID-19. Nicole, as a healthcare provider, working on the front lines, um, saving people's lives, literally, as I tell you all, um, and me working in the media We have been extremely vocal about our position on COVID-19. And we've been saying since day one, stay home if you can. If you can't, be sure to wear a mask, wash your hands and social distance. You know, kind of the same thing that the, the authorities on these matters, like Dr. Fauci, have been saying. Stay home if you can. If you can't. Wear a mask, wash your hands and social distance. Nicole even took the time to explain what you can do to social distance in a small space if someone in your house catches COVID. So I think, you know, it should be very clear how we feel about COVID. 
But Nicole also shared recently that she received the COVID-19 vaccine. And while she expressed the severity of her very short-lived symptoms, she did tell us that she was extremely clear that even though she had symptoms for the COVID-19 vaccine, getting COVID would have been far, far worse. So it's a little bit baffling to me that despite everything that you and I have said, Nicole, everything that the the health officials have said, everything that doctors say, period, that people are still out here on social media, on our timeline, heavy with these, these crazy, as I say, cockamamie stories about the vaccine. I understand the skepticism to some extent, but it's gotten out of control. And the little bit of skepticism that I was seeing before has turned into a massive outbreak of skepticism. I understand that, you know, some people, especially people in the African-American community, are really hesitant about the vaccine because of things like the Tuskegee experiment. I understand. I also understand that, you know, there are those anti-vaxxers that are still out there that believe that vaccines cause autism and other illnesses. And there are people now, these cockamamie thoughts that if you get the vaccine, that somehow you're getting a chip inserted into you. Like, while I understand the inherent distrust of African-Americans in our healthcare system, the phony assertions about it being a chip being inserted into you, I don't get it. It's evident to me that people are just determined to believe whatever they want to believe, regardless of what the science and the facts are telling them. So most recently, we have a new skeptic who has made her opinion very well known, and that is Tiffany Haddish. And Tiffany Haddish has been very clear with her opinion about the vaccine and her thoughts about COVID since she herself actually had COVID. She felt like COVID was created by man or created by the government specifically to help with some sort of facial recognition technology that they're working on. Yes, it's crazy. But Tiffany Haddish has been going on to Clubhouse and talking about this on a regular basis. And now she's been accused of not only pushing this weird conspiracy theory about COVID being a man-made or government-created disease to help with facial recognition, but she's also been accused of bullying a young Black doctor that basically told her that you know, that's not really the case that spoke out on Clubhouse and said, hey, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but that's not very factual. According to Madame Noir, people apparently that were in the room allegedly ganged up on this young African-American doctor. But my thing is, is that this young lady who had all of the facts, she's a doctor, right? She would be in, in that setting, the expert in this matter. No matter how much factual information she gave, Tiffany was still, allegedly, was still set on the fact that she wasn't telling the truth, which how would you know? Because you're a health professional, Tiffany. So and if that wasn't enough, learning of Hank Aaron's death, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. stated that Aaron's death is a part of a wave of suspicious death among elderly people following the vaccine. So now I don't know if this if this is an actual fact or if they're sowing seeds of doubt. But now there's more question around vaccine. 
And while Facebook and other social medias are trying to shut down the massive amounts of misinformation that's being shared, it's almost impossible to censor everyone's opinion. So it's no wonder that less than 50% of Americans have plans on taking this vaccine. Their lies and misinformation that challenge the healthcare workers and the public health officials. And I honestly think that these people are going to have a really hard time trying to convince the population, specifically the African-American population, to do their part and take part in this vaccine. I just feel like, um, one, I don't think people understand how old Hank Aaron was. And I think that this man was very old. We all have to die at some point. And just because you got the vaccine and then you died later doesn't mean that the vaccine caused this person to die. And furthermore, the vaccine doesn't cause COVID. I do think that some people may have more severe response to the vaccine. And that's like with, with anything, right? And mouse and immune response. So some people may have a, a more severe response, but I don't think that that's the case uh, in Hank Aaron's situation. So I think that people are really stretching and trying to find a reason not to get this vaccine. It's a personal choice. If you don't want to get the vaccine, okay, say you don't want to get it, but don't say you don't want to get it because of some like person that you think died because of the vaccine, because that person didn't die from the vaccine. That person died because they were old and they died from complications of being elderly. Let's say that. And then there's a, a couple other people that passed away shortly after getting the vaccine that's made the news this week. Um, but they had COVID, like they tested positive for COVID. Um, so usually when you test positive for COVID, you shouldn't get the vaccine right after that. So, I mean, there's different scenarios and different people that have passed away from various reasons after getting this vaccine. That's just like saying, hey, Janine, I got the vaccine. And then if I go get in a car accident and I pass away, oh, the the, the COVID-19 vaccine caused me to have the car accident. Y'all, these things are not the same. They They are not causing people to die. Okay. They just happened to die and they had the vaccine. Just like anybody else, if you didn't have the vaccine, you could still happen to die, you know, next week. I mean, that's just how life works. If you vaccinate enough people, you will get people that die a week later or two weeks later. That's just natural. And on this Tiffany Haddish stuff, I'm just disappointed in her because I just thought, especially with her having COVID, that she would get it. You know, um, the good thing about her is she's, she's young and healthy. So obviously she would bounce back from COVID-19, like most people that are young and healthy do. But just because you bounce back, don't say that it's some man-made virus that's circulating around and people are making up this vaccine and black doctors are getting paid to, to say things about this vaccine and it's all a hoax. Like, why would you say that? Like, where are you getting your information from? Especially when you've had COVID-19 before. So I'm just, I'm just baffled and I'm surprised because I like Tiffany Haddish, but I, you know, may have to cancel her in 2021 because I, I just don't agree with how she's going about this. And then you're attacking this poor black woman and this doctor who is now suicidal because of her attacks, because Tiffany Haddish and all of her, her crew are, are harassing this woman. It's just unacceptable. You, even if we don't agree, you should not try to make your fans attack somebody else. That's just not right. Yeah, that's no different than the our last president. First of all, Nicole, let me ask you this. The thought 
of black doctors being paid to push the vaccine. Where is that even coming from? I wish, like, I wish I was getting paid to promote this vaccine. Like, pay me. I would love to be paid to promote this vaccine. But no, they're not paying me to promote this vaccine. They're not paying me to say anything about this vaccine. They're not paying any doctor that I know of, unless you're literally on the CDC payroll, to promote this vaccine. I'm just saying, I don't know where they're getting that. When we heard that, when my friends heard that, they're like, you got a check? Like, let's, let's check. Did you get a check? You get a check over there? No, no. Where are our checks? Because we didn't get any extra money. Most doctors actually at this point have taken some type of pay cut. We're not getting raises or, or bonuses or checks for promotion. We, we would like to. We would like that. But, but that's not the truth. That's a lie. So to help us talk about this topic, COVID-19 and all that it entails, we have a very special guest with us today, and that is Dr. Jasmine Booker. Dr. Jasmine Booker is a board-certified emergency medicine physician practicing in the Houston metropolitan area. She is a graduate of Howard University College of Medicine. She then did her residency training at LSU New Orleans. She is the founder of Dr. Diagnosis, an urgent care, mental health, and wellness telemedicine company that will launch in just a few short weeks. She's a wife and mother. And of course, I have to say, she is an amazing woman of Alpha, Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Dr. Booker, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so tell us about, and Nicole has shared shared with our listeners about what it's like to have COVID patients, but tell us about yes. what it's actually like in the ER. I get sick, I have COVID, I go to the ER, what happens from there? Well, there's different levels, right? So um, in the ER, we have, have set it up to where there are COVID units. So we try to keep the COVID patients completely separate. Um, and that's, you know, throughout the whole hospital. But I'm just saying, if you come to the ER, the first thing is, you know, you get your screening questions, which, you know, you might get similar if you go to your doctor's office, um, whichever the case may be. So you have your screening questions. But if, for sure, if you say fever, um, shortness of breath, cough, any of those keywords, um, then you're kind of triaged into possible COVID. So depending on your level of how sick you are, you know, vital signs, your triage evaluation, are you in acute distress, kind of depends on where you may go as well. Uh, but that's the initial part is we're separating patients. So, you know, everyone is concerned when, you know, going to the ER, am I going to be right next to a COVID patient? So we try to keep everybody separate. So you have your COVID unit and then you have your other side, which have regular patients. And then from there, it's just treating acute symptoms, evaluating, looking at, you know, oxygen levels, your oxygen requirement, other vital signs. Are you tachycardic? Like, is your heart rate elevated? Um, is there any like what we would say um, in or in organ damage? Are you showing any abnormalities in your lab? So you basically get your full workup. Only difference is it's just like if you got any patient that was coming in for respiratory distress, you do a full evaluation, except that now there's a lot of protocol for isolation um, and keeping COVID patients in isolation rooms, um, negative pressure rooms, if possible, to keep that air clean and circulating. Um, of course, you have to gown up uh, or put on, you know, PPE. Now it's like it's commonplace, right? We're used to it. Like, um, PPE and putting on, you know, poppers and all those things is very normal 
to me now. But before it seemed like such a big deal that every patient I have to completely put on, you know, a gown, gloves, booties, head cover, N95 or uh, a popper just to go in to see a patient. And especially as a physician, your natural inclination is if this patient is in major distress, you just run into the room and everybody's like, stop. You can't just run into the room anymore because you have to protect yourself um, as well. So that's kind of the layout if you come to the ER. So tell me, what are the, what's capacity like right now at your hospital? Like There is no capacity. The hospitals are full. The ER are holding, you know, patients all night. Um, there are no beds upstairs. So I will say that mainly um, I work at right now, I mainly work at one of the freestanding emergency departments. So if you're not familiar, that means it's an emergency department but it's not attached to the hospital. So we feed into our sister hospitals if we have patients um, that need to be admitted. So that's a whole different level of um, dealing with the pandemic because number one, sometimes you are stuck and you have to try to transfer patients and that can take a long time, especially when everybody is full and has no, you know, they don't have any beds. So yeah, the, the hospitals are at capacity. You know, I think the difference right now is I don't know how much adjustments hospitals are making as far as I think it varies depending on the hospital system. Um, you know, in the beginning of uh, the pandemic, um, surgeries were being cut, um, you know, decreased elective surgeries. Um, they were making different um, changes within the hospital system to try to accommodate all these patients. Um, right now, there are some hospitals who are choosing to decrease the elective surgeries and making some of those changes. But even with those changes, the hospitals are full of COVID patients. That's just it for a fact. ICUs are full. Personally, at our hospital, our ICU is completely full every day. Floor beds, like if I'm asking for a bed, they're like, either we have one or that patient is going to have to go hold in the ER with the other, you know, how many patients we're holding already. There's hardly ever just beds available. And even as much as they encourage the inpatient doctors to discharge patients, it's just the beds just fill back up. So hospitals are at capacity. Um, that's why it's hard when I hear people say that this is a hoax or it's not real. I wish they could just step inside the hospital for just a few moments and then they would really understand what's going on. So I would assume that you're a proponent for the vaccine, correct? Like you would suggest definitely the vaccine. Oh, yes. I, I tell everyone. I mean, you know, um, I have had, of course, probably like Nicole, countless conversations, family, friends, everyone's asking, should I get it? Um, are you getting it? You know, their concerns, which one to get? My answer is yes, get it. Get whatever one is available. I don't have any major concerns about the vaccine. I think I think in the beginning, of course, everybody, you know, I think you have to do your due diligence. If you feel like you need to do more research or understand even physicians, when it first came out, we did a lot of discussion amongst our our groups um, and did research. But I believe that the risk of the vaccine does not even come close to the risk of covid Um, If you have seen a seriously ill COVID patient, it is scary to watch them up close. And it is scary when you can't, you seemingly are doing all that you can to help that patient to uh, prevent them from dying. And it seems like nothing is working. You know, I think people don't understand that even the younger folks, this is not just for the elderly. Right now, I can tell you that most of the patients that I'm seeing, I think the elderly have taken heed to an extent and, um, 
they are staying home. They are isolating. They're not taking, they're not, they're not playing any games right now. Um, the patients that we're seeing right now who are still getting admitted and very sick are, you know, 40s, 50s um, in that age range. And they're still having severe symptoms and, you know, having and a lot of these patients don't have a lot of underlying or at least diagnosed health issues. So reportedly they're healthy. I'm not taking any medications. You know, I don't smoke. I don't do this um, patient. And they're very ill. I have no um, reservations about the vaccine. So I advocate for everyone. So when I saw the topic, I hadn't heard about this. So I was kind of, I was very taken aback because I was like, okay, this is something new. I, I haven't heard um, this theory. Did you um, get a check? Before, so <laughs> I've got no check. Look, I'm still looking for my check from... <laughs> When I took my pay cut. So that no. part. <laughs> I was still looking for, like I said before, you know, a lot of physicians have taken decreased hours and pay cuts uh, during COVID. So I'm still looking, you know, how to recoup that. So no, 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 no check. Um, any, you know, advocacy that I'm doing is just genuine from my heart, genuine from science from my medical background. Um, I'm just trying to advocate for definitely those that I know and love, but also just for, you know, the population in general, because, you know, we all want to come out of this at some point, right? We want to, I don't think there's going back to normal, um, but we all want to go back to some semblance of, I can go visit my parents and not worry and not have to wear a mask and, you know, I haven't hugged my parents and I don't know when um, my parents live close to us. I guess I'm kind of not. a I won't say I'm a super extreme social distancer, but I probably have stayed uh, true to social distancing longer than a lot of people. My kids are still at home. We have four kids, uh, 13, seven and then twin four year olds. Um, so we're still doing uh, virtual learning. As painful as it can be sometimes, I don't go many places. My kids, I mean, they beg to go to like any store, anywhere, because I don't take them anywhere. Because my my whole thing is my kids are very close and, and love my parents, you know, to the utmost and they want to see them all the time. So, you know, our discussion, I have very candid discussions with, you know, my kids. We go back to school. We can't see grandma and granddaddy like, you know, we've been doing Um and if you want to, you know, do certain activities, things like that, well, that still limits our interaction. So um, my my most concern during this pandemic has been my parents. Um, they're in their 70s. They do have some underlying health issues. So I'm doing all that I can to protect them. Um, but, you know, it also is hard for elderly patients being so isolated from family. So that's why I try to do what I can so that we can still see them sometimes. Um, but um, hopefully we can go back to where we're not so fearful of, you know, giving them COVID. I know that you mentioned that your parents are in their 70s. I think your dad just had a birthday, right? Yes, he just turned 73. <laughs> Happy birthday to your dad. But with the underlying health conditions and with their age, would you also suggest um, that they get the vaccine when it's available to them? Or would you suggest that they oh, hold yes. off? I'm on the hunt. Um, what's been amazing or I don't know if amazing, but I guess somewhat disturbing or maybe disappointing is the right word. 
What's been disappointing to me is I have not been able to give them the vaccine. You know, they, uh, a lot of places, you know, Texas, I guess each state kind of has their own little categories and their levels of who, you know, gets the vaccine first. So, you know, in Texas, it was 75 and older that they were really um, vaccinating first outside of healthcare workers, hospital workers, first responders. Um, so, you know, my parents are just under that margin, but they are in that next category of, you know, 65 and older and um, having some underlying health issues. So, but I mean, I think that it's, it's just kind of crazy in the sense of, so, you know, my parents, I mean, they're reti- retired school teachers and all that, but just, I guess, as being retired and not fooling around as much, they're just not as computer savvy as they need to be. So a lot of these signups and link and things require you to get on the computer, sign up, stay alert with your text messages and all those kind of things. And I'm like, this is a very technology savvy way for elderly patients to get, you know, signed up for these vaccines. So I'm actually the one who's doing all the signups and trying to stay on top of these alerts. But if you don't sign, if you don't get on these links within the first, you know, I feel like 15 minutes then you're just out of luck. Um, And so that's been my hurdle is the difficulty in getting them signed up um, for the vaccine. And I feel like I'm always on the cusp of getting in and then we don't make don't make the cut. So but no, I from the beginning, I told them, I said, as soon as it's available for you guys, you guys need to get it. And I mean, they didn't have any issues or concerns um, about it. You know, they they also want to be protected and they want to be able to go back to doing some of their normal activities. So um, they're all for it. And actually, I've had lots of family members who either have been able to get it in other states um, or who are, you know, anxiously awaiting. Um, and then I do have those who are like, oh, I don't know, this is kind of fast. You know, they're debating. Um, but I haven't had anybody come to me with the theory of, you know, this is government. I haven't anybody had anybody come to me directly. I'll say that um, with that. This is government, you know, trying to control or, you know, is there some issue with black doctors trying to promote the vaccine um, to get black patients to take it? So I haven't had any of that directly. So that's why I was kind of like, huh. That's that's an interesting theory that's been put out there. I think that, you know, you brought up a good point of maybe there should be some other form of communication for specifically for that age group. Right. Like if you're 75 or older, it's not very likely that you're super technically savvy. Like, I think that they need to revamp that. I'm 100 percent with you. I just think that, you know, the the computer, you know, number one, computer access. Everybody doesn't have access to computers. Um, I, know, I know most people do have cell phones and things, but some of these things, it's hard to maneuver on a cell phone. Um, it's really, you know, better to be on, um, you know, a computer or a tablet. But like you say, 75, I think even 70 and, uh, you know, and older, um, the, the savviness of technology, of course, is limited. So I really thought that, you know, my parents are are kind of locked into a hospital system. So, you know, I was hoping that the hospital system was going to, they kind of indicated that they would, but uh, for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened that they would reach out to patients who are already, who fit that qualification and are locked into the hospital system. But that's a whole nother, you know, I guess a whole nother conversation, vaccine 
distribution, but um, definitely um, I'm an advocate. I, I don't have any concerns or issues. I, I My real answer to a lot of people is you have to, I trust science. You know, um, my, my field is based off of science. Uh, I can't only trust science when it is easy or beneficial or whatever the case um, for me. I have to believe in the science and that this is legit and that um, is going to be helpful and that it's going to help stop the pandemic. So um, I think also, you know, when we go back to discussing the mistrust of the um, African-American community, well, at some point we have to try to build that bridge and develop that trust again. I mean, we all know, like you said, Tuskegee experiment, um, forced sterilization and, you know, Henrietta Lacks, all those things we understand and we are aware and but at some point, we have to try to build some trust with science again. And in actuality, you know, we're still right now the lowest population or one of the lowest. I won't say the lowest, but um, populations that are getting vaccinated. So um, we see that, you know, others are getting vaccinated um, and we have to trust that. I don't think that they're giving one vaccine to non-Blacks and giving Black uh, people another vaccine. We have to believe in the science and try to build that trust um, again. You know, I saw a guy who was in his, I don't know, he looked like he was probably a 60s or 70s physician. When he was getting his injection and the vaccine, he said, I'm trying to rebuild the mistrust that the Tuskegee experiment created. That was the, the sign that he was holding up. And I really felt that, like I saved that picture. I feel like that's what we as physicians or medical professionals have to do. Um, and I think us by example, hopefully will help encourage others to, okay, well, I'll take the vaccine. You know, I see a number of people that look like me who are getting the vaccine. And um, so hopefully, you know, that will create uh, more people to want to sign up and, and get it. I'm glad that you said that because it's not about getting paid. I mean, there have been a lot of black doctors on social media showing mm -hmm. that they have gotten this vaccine and talking very openly about this vaccine, which is why some could assume they must be getting paid. <laughs> so many of them, they have to be getting paid, but it is not about that. We understand that there is a mistrust in, um, amongst the black community when it comes to science and um and medicine and with good reason and so that is our way of making sure we're trying to break down that barrier again not to get paid so we ain't got no check. right we have not gotten a check we wish we had a check if somebody would like to write us a check and sit there, <laughs> take it but we have not gotten a check not from the government absolutely not right say so i think on you know the the topic just raises the question of a little bit deeper level of just the mistrust in medicine in general. I feel like in society now, you know, at one particular time, physicians were were well respected and very trusted. You know, patients, you know, I'm not saying that you have to just blindly trust your physician, but in the ER, um, you know, you don't always have a connection or established relationship with patients. But I regularly face the concept of what I'm doing is based on money or, you know, I want to order these tests because I get paid more to order these tests or, you know, whatever I'm doing is based on, you know, me benefiting. And, you know, I always try to explain to people, I get paid the same if I do zero tests or if I order 20 tests. It doesn't change my paycheck. What I'm doing is what I feel like is necessary to rule out your possible life-threatening condition or illness. 
a deeper level, not just in the African-American community. I feel like just society in general now has a mistrust of medicine and medical professionals for whatever reason. And I think somehow we have to um, build that trust back in general, definitely in the African-American community. And we understand why. Um, but just in general, patients are very, um, they're very concerned and very, um, I guess, just not trusting of you're just doing this because you care and you want to make sure that I'm OK. It, it seems to be that they always think there's an ulterior motive to why, you know, I'm ordering this CAT scan or do I really need these labs? And I'm like, well, you came here with this. So this is the only way I can rule it out. So I just wanted to put it out there that. I think on a deeper level, COVID has highlighted highlighted not just the mistrust in African-American community, but just in medicine in general. Between the patient and the medical professionals, there's a disconnect that we have to um, redevelop and, and recreate that bridge again in, in general. I have my theories on that, but I'm not going to go there because, <laughs> listen, I can talk about like, you know, different levels of medicine and how different providers have been created over time, which definitely breaks yes. down, you know, the authority being the doctor, but I won't go there today. Right. I won't go there. That's, that's a whole other podcast. This is another podcast. podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So at this point in the show, um, our listeners usually send us in different uh, questions or scenarios and we help them talk through them by giving them advice. So we welcome you to help us with that as well. Okay. So, Janine, what's your scenario? Okay, this one star starts. Hello, girls. Is it me or has the pandemic and subsequent lockdown changed your perception about people, specifically some relationships and friendships? The extended period of isolation coupled with some people's disregard for themselves and others, specifically reckless traveling, partying, and just being out and about too much, has made me realize that I no longer want to keep in touch with a few people. I just feel like some relationships are just ready to end, which I'm completely at peace with. I guess I'm not really asking for advice. Just curious if either of you have experienced this over the last year. Signed, Pilar. Oh, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, we've experienced that. And, you know, I'm all about cleansing, right? The pandemic has shown us which relationships are important and which relationships are not. Which relationships will stand the test of time, literally, which will stand the test of time because the pandemic has just given us time and which ones won't. And so, um, yeah, I, I do think that there are some relationships that won't make it past this pandemic. And I think it's because maybe they were a little superficial. That's my thought. Um, it's funny because I literally was just having this conversation with a friend maybe about a month ago. And she said to me, she said, you know, there are some people that I really thought were a lot smarter than this before the pandemic. And that's true. Like I've had people invite me out and I've been like, I'm not even gonna, I wouldn't even have lunch with you because I've seen on social media, the 15 places that you've been and the two flights that you've taken and all of this. It's like, so yeah, I, I can agree, girl. Yeah, let the friendships go. You know, difficult situations show who people really are. So these people aren't going to change. They're going to be who they are. They're going to continue to be selfish and they're going to continue to go outside and do whatever it is that they want to do. They can do it without you, girl. Stay safe. I I just think social media has people over the past maybe five or 10 years, right? 
And you know, Janine, I'm not like a super big social media guru. That's you. That's not me. But social media will have you thinking people are smart because they may put out some smart quote or that they have their self, themselves together, whether that's like physically, mentally, or financially, or emotionally, they have their stuff together when they don't. And so I tell people all the time, people are simple. People are simple. People aren't that deep. They are very simple beings. And when people show you who they are, believe them. And because people are very simple, I don't trust what people do or say. People say they act safe. They don't. When people are like, oh, I've been cautious. No, you haven't. You can't come over my house. You can't come over because you haven't been cautious because you are a simple being. And there's not that many people that are that smart. I'm sorry. Most people, and I hate to to sound like this. I'm not trying to sound like I'm smarter than thou or better than thou. But most people are not that smart. Okay. And so I just assume that most people aren't that smart and most people are very simple. And they think they're being cautious when they really aren't. And I think that everybody should assume that and not let people in their space because they may mean well because they don't know any better. Those people that wear their mask under their nose, they they think they're doing something by doing that. They do because they're simple, but they're not. Like you can breathe through your nose. Like I don't understand. Like you don't understand that concept. And it doesn't take a medical professional to understand that you breathe through your nose and your mouth. And those are the people that say they're being very cautious because they wear a mask all the time. You're not. And so, uh, yes, you have to distance yourself from those people. And maybe those simple people let you know that they say birds of a feather flock together. And I don't need to flock with these people. I'm just saying, Dr. Booker, what are your thoughts? (laughs) Uh, I agree with all that you guys have said. Um, One, I do feel like uh, COVID did let you know, like, who are your real friends and who are just, uh, you know, as we say, associates, right? Because a lot of people, if you didn't see them, then you, you don't talk to them, right? So a lot of relationships are just based on the fact that I saw you on a regular basis. But if you haven't checked on me in this whole pandemic, especially though I'm an ER doctor, like if you haven't said, hey, how you doing? Are you surviving? Are you alive? <laughs> did you get COVID? Then we're not really friends, right? Um, and then some relationships you realize, like, it was kind of toxic. Like, I feel much better not talking to this person. Like, they were not adding anything. If anything, they were taking me down or draining me with this relationship. So definitely um, agree on that aspect. And then I also, you know, social media, I, I do social media, but, you know, I'm not like super, you know, Instagram or anything like that. But I watch people and like you say, you see them on there and you're like, okay, so y'all went to the restaurant. Now y'all are on this, you know, y'all went to the zoo and now we're over here. And I feel like, hey, everything is a personal decision, right? That's your choice, but we can't hang out, right? I can't, I'm not going to hang out with you and I'm not going to say anything and I try not to be judgmental, but I'm kind of like, So you're doing this in the midst of the pandemic. I kind of feel like it's a little bit personal for me because I feel like I'm going to work every day trying to fight the pandemic, right? And also I have so, you know, I feel, like I say, I feel bad. You know, my kids, I have been very strict. Like I don't bend on them doing certain things and and what we're going to do as a family. You know, my husband sometimes is like, well, can't they? No, 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 we can't do that. And so when I see other people and I'm like, okay, so y'all just want to keep this going. So I kind of take it a little personal. Like 
I'm not going to like just be like, oh, you're a horrible person. But in the same token, I'm kind of like, you know, I go to work every day trying to fight this and y'all are just out and about. Or if they're saying like, I shouldn't have to wear a mask or, you know, we should be able to do what we want to do for our freedoms and our rights. And I'm like, OK, well, at least I know where you stand. So I know how to proceed after the pandemic. So, yeah, I agree with you guys for sure. Yeah, that burns me up. Oh, I can't stand that. So our next scenario uh, reads, Janine and Nicole, I am really struggling. I work as a teacher, so I have exposure to a ton of people every day. I'm eligible to receive the vaccine in a couple of weeks, but I'm not sure I want to get it. As a Democrat, I don't trust anything that comes from the Trump administration. Initially on the news, we were told it would take 18 months to develop the vaccine. Now it's been less than a year later, and we have one. Reading that doctors are being forced to endorse the vaccine is disturbing. My doctor said she is not getting the vaccine, but it's up to me to decide if I want to get it when it's available. What are your thoughts? Are doctors making the vaccine up? Why are some doctors promoting the vaccine and others aren't getting it? So, okay, there's there's a lot in that question. So I'll I'll go from my standpoint. One, the vaccine to me is is a very personal decision, right? So one... I don't pressure folks and say, you know, you just have to get it um, or like you're a bad person or whatever the case may be. But, you know, my standpoint is just trying to educate them on the vaccine and benefits kind of ratio. So my personal viewpoint is, I mean, I understand like maybe, you know, politically, maybe you don't agree with the administration that was in to create it, but don't let the politics prevents you from saving your life or other people's lives. So I think you have to understand that money does sometimes rule the world. Um, and if you put all your top people and all your resources into one vaccine, it can happen quickly. They have studied mRNA vaccines for a long time. So it's not like we just all of a sudden start looking at mRNA vaccines this year um, to come up with this vaccine. So I would say, you know, it's a personal decision. Do your research. But understand, don't make it political. And um, I say go get the vaccine because you don't want COVID. I agree. And I think that one of the things that you mentioned that was super important was it's not political, right? Because we're not the only ones in the world getting this vaccine. Like we can try to associate this vaccine with our previous administration all we want. But there are people in other countries that are getting the same Moderna vaccine that we are getting in the United States of America. So it's not based on Democrat or Republican, because in other countries, there's no Democrat or Republican. There's something completely different. So it's not political. Just a little bit of research and a little bit of application of the research will help people kind of not politicize this and kind of, as you said, save their lives, right? Because the the truth of the matter is, as Nicole has been saying this entire podcast, we have options, right? And in this particular scenario, we have two options. You have the option of getting the vaccine and safeguarding yourself against COVID or potentially losing your life to COVID. I'm seeing asymptomatic people, right? That don't know if they have COVID or not every day. So I'm seeing those just like she's seeing students. So I see 30 patients a day. She probably has 30 students a day in her classroom. So you have 30 possible vectors of this virus that could possibly expose you unknowingly to COVID-19. So 
As a teacher, you are in a very high risk category of getting this virus. So you have two choices. Either you are going to stay home, meaning you are going to be doing virtual. You're at a school that is 100% virtual, so you are not going to have to go in. So you're not exposed to anybody. So then it is your personal choice. If you don't have to be exposed to that many people, then you don't need the vaccine, right? You stay home. You can ride the wave. You can wear your mask. You can wash your hands and you can go about your business without the vaccine. But if you're going to be teaching a classroom of 20 to 30 students who could possibly be asymptomatic carriers who can then come and infect you and then make you an asymptomatic carrier. And then when you go see your husband or your mama, then you're giving them COVID. Well, then that's a problem. So you have to ask yourself, how safe am I being at school with children? Okay. You are your school teacher, children, just like I don't trust what people say <laughs> about being safe, I don't trust a child to leave a mask on at all times, eight hours during the day without touching their mask and touching everything else. I don't trust them to wash their hands thoroughly. I just don't trust them. I don't trust them to stay six feet, feet away from each other. I don't trust them. They're children, right? So they're going to do things unknowingly because they don't understand how serious this virus is. And I don't know what grade she teaches. I mean, hopefully she's teaching like high school students, so at least maybe they get it a little bit more. But if she's teaching like five-year-olds, well, that's a problem. I mean, they're running up to you, hugging you, do you know, they're on you. So you have these 20 to 30 vectors that can possibly infect you. Like, let's not make this political. Let's, let's, let's be clear. You could possibly get COVID and your whole classroom could be exposed. So do you want to be in the number that's protected or do you not? Can you stay home or can you not? And so you need to do stuff to protect yourself. And let's forget about the politics for a second. And if you can stay home and do virtual schooling, then maybe you can ride the wave of people that aren't getting vaccinated, but you still need to wear your mask and wash your hands when you go outside. But if you're in the classroom, yeah, it's just like a no brainer. You should get vaccinated. So Nicole, real quick, not only do you not trust the kids, I don't trust the parents to keep the kids home if they have a fever, if that they have part. symptoms, if somebody in their family has COVID and they're still sending, you know, because the, when you, I don't know if, you know, if uh, I know your, your, your son is not old enough to go to school, but, you know, our district, the schools are open. I just keep my kids home. But in their policy, you know, it's supposed to be if you have a family member who is suspected, not even necessarily confirmed, well, the student's supposed to stay home. If they're confirmed, for sure they're supposed to stay home and isolate or either get tested. These parents are not taking these kids to get tested. They're not keeping mm -hmm. them home if there's a suspect. They're not keeping them home if there's COVID. That's why I keep getting emails saying we have a student that is positive. We have a teacher that is positive. And in grades pre-K through second grade at our school, they don't have to wear a mask in the classroom. They wear a mask if they go outside the classroom. So if they're at lunch, but if you're at lunch, well, you're not wearing a mask because you're eating. So they wear a mask outside the classroom. In the classroom, it is not required. So these teachers are in the classroom with students who are not required to wear a mask. So of course, I think that if you're in the classroom, it would be no question in my mind. Um, teachers should have been on the first on tier the first list, of- yeah. On the first, they should have been getting vac vaccinated with us. With so, us, yeah. Yeah, th there should have been no question about teachers. And if I was a teacher, it would not be, even as in, even in older grades, of course, they can keep their mask on, you know, better. But still and again, these teenagers are hanging out, 
they're not social distancing when they're hanging out in their personal space. So, yeah, teacher, get your vaccine. Now is the portion of the show where we talk about what we've learned new this week. Janine, what did you learn new this week? Okay, so I got this from Bloomberg.com who has a vaccine tracker, which is that I learned that news. So Bloomberg.com has a vaccine tracker. They also have um, the COVID tracker. I mean, they, if you want to track information about COVID, go to Bloomberg.com. But I learned this from Bloomberg.com. As of January 23rd, according to Bloomberg.com, 63 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine have been administered in 56 countries. So kind of like what I said earlier, that it's not just the United States, girl. It's 56 different countries, right? 56 countries have distributed and administered 63 million vaccines. And that is at a rate of about 3.21 million doses a day. In the United States, we have administered 21.1 million shots of the vaccine, which is at a little bit lower rate of 1.6 million doses a day. So I say that to say that the vaccine is really genuinely being distributed and it's not just being distributed in the United States. There are 56 countries. So all of those who think or thought or considered that it could be political, let's just put that thought out of our mind because there are 56 countries that are taking this vaccine. And if you would like more information Go to Bloomberg.com. Bloomberg.com has pretty much one-stop shop, all the info, statistics, tracking information that you need for COVID-19 and the vaccine. So what I learned new this week was that, um, one, in addition to our two uh, vaccine companies, Moderna and Pfizer, there are four other companies coming down the pike, right? So there's uh, AstraZeneca, Janssen's, and Novavax. Those are the three companies that, are in phase three clinical trials right now, meaning, hey, they're wrapping up, they're doing human studies, and now then the next thing is to kick it out and make it available. So that's good news. And then the last company, Johnson & Johnson, is a vaccine that has single dose. Um, That may be approved in as little as two weeks. And their spokesperson said that they would have 100 million doses available by mid-April. So this is good news for um, the vaccines coming down the pike. So it became an issue that there were a lot of dentists who were trying to get the vaccine and could not get it because it was not listed as they were a part of that first tier. So I was completely shocked. I went to the dentist on Friday and as much as close they have to get to people's mouths and all the water spraying and spitting and everything that's going on, I just couldn't believe that dentists were not listed or could not get the vaccine. So if you don't want the vaccine, Give it to tell your dentist to take your spot because they need it. Um, and they're out there trying to get the vaccine. So I was I, there has been some amendment to, I believe, um, the the actual written um, qualifications. But I'm not sure if it still explicitly says dentist, but I think it has been amended somewhat to where now that they will be recognized to be able to get the vaccine. But this is a, a month, almost two months, I guess, after you know, or a month and a half after this vaccine has rolled out. They should have been being able to get it like the other medical professionals on December, you know, the beginning of December. So that was surprising to me. That's a a terrible job not to be able to get the vaccine. I risk. Straight government failure on their end. Like, I I mean, they're like anesthesiologists for teeth. I mean, literally, they're in people's mouths. Exactly. That's crazy. 
So Dr. Booker, thank you so much for joining the podcast and contributing to the conversation today. Please tell people how they can follow you. Okay. Well, first, thank you for having me. Um, people can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Dr. Period J A Z Z Y E M. Also for my new to launch telemedicine business, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diagnose Me Now. And the website will be www.diagnosemenow.com. So come check us out. Awesome. You have to tell us when you're having your grand opening so we can support that as well. Yes, yes. Very excited. Okay, our motivational moment for the week. The pandemic has taught us the importance of self-care and self-preservation. If you're working in public places, the vaccine itself is your way to focus on just that. Washing your hands, practicing social distancing, and wearing a mask is also that too. All of these acts help keep us alive. Ignoring these things is the opposite, acts of self-destruction. So stay safe, friends, and make choices that will protect and keep you safe. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production.